with real estate investing or anything related to the real estate industry, over the last two years, it's almost been impossible not to succeed. We know real estate blossomed. We know mortgages blossomed. Everybody's having the best year ever. And I said, yeah, but you're having it because the market gave it to you, not because you have the foundation. That's my guest this week, Jen Duplessis. She's America's mortgage mastery mentor and previously one of the top 200 mortgage brokers out of over a million in the United States. She's been through 12 market changes, but if you think that she would suggest going back to basics, you'd be wrong. But back to basics, in my opinion, you should never go back to basics. Basics should always be basics. Beyond the fact that you should always be doing the basics, no matter what market, she also has five strategies for working less, making more money, where she went from 50 million to over 100 million following these steps, and having more fun. She also shares three key steps to making it all work. Break it out between finding, minding, and grinding time. So if you want to succeed in the market now, you will want to listen to this great advice. All this after the break. This is REI Branded, the podcast all about building your real estate investing personal brand. My name is Paul Cockett, and my mission is to help you, the busy real estate investor, stand out from the crowd so that people can find you easily, want to work with you, and can't wait to refer you. Meaning that you can build a successful real estate investing business without feeling inauthentic, overwhelmed with marketing, or spending all day doing it. Because marketing is how you get their attention, but personal branding is why they choose you. But before we begin, if you're a real estate investor looking to build your business and stand out from the crowd, and you don't want to wait for all the knowledge, strategies, and how-tos to be slowly delivered to you via this podcast every week, then I invite you to apply for the REI Branded Audit. That's the process I've created that has already helped dozens of real estate investors to define and develop their personal brands and build their real estate investing businesses. This audit is a mind-focusing, eye-opening insight addressing key questions like, is your message clear and consistent? Do you stand out as being different? Are you on people's radars and inspiring them enough to reach out and want to know more? The application only takes a few minutes and the link is in the show notes. After you apply, if it seems like I can help, we'll set up an initial conversation to explain the audit in more detail and answer any questions you have. So if you're a real estate investor who's committed to building your personal brand and business this year, then I invite you to apply for the REI Branded Audit. Now, back to the show. Jen, welcome. Uh, Great to have you today. One of the things that kind of strikes me right away in terms of what you talk about is why do we feel we have to do it all? (laughs) That's funny. And actually, that brings up a really good point. We We feel like we have to do it all, but we can actually have it all, right? without having to do it all. And I think that we all learn that we, well, I say this quite often, we learn, then we earn, and then we get to a point in our life where we want to return, right? To give back to others and say, you know, hey, it took me 40 years to figure this out. I I can help you do it in less time, you know, sort of name that tune. I can do that in five notes instead of 105 (laughs) notes, right? right? And And we say, now I think you can do this better. For me, what that is, is living a life of luxury. And it's not a luxurious lifestyle. Well, you can still have that, obviously, but it's living a life of luxury where you are designing a lifestyle that fulfills you, that uh, you are choosing to put yourself first and not your business. So you're choosing to 
have a great business, but the luxury of spending time with your family, the luxury of taking a nap, the luxury of traveling, if that's what you want to do. And I think as entrepreneurs, we focus so much on the almighty dollar and, and yes, you will make money, I promise, but we focus so much on that almighty dollar and it's the glorification of busyness right now. And it really concerns me because there will be a point if you haven't reached it yet, where you said, I've had enough of this. I can't do it anymore. You know, I'm, I'm sick of it. I, my business is strong enough. Right? right. And now, but my life is a mess. So what if we could have both of them be great? So that's really what life of luxury is all about. You just said a term glorification of busyness and you're absolutely right. I think we're, we're very guilty of as long as you're busy, then you must be doing well. Nah. Is, that what, is that what you mean by that? Oh or? yeah, it's totally that. And you know, I was in a BNI, a you know, business network international for many years and I was an ambassador. And every time I met with someone to do a one-to-one, they were just talking about doing things. But then when they asked me to do their loan, their financials were a mess. Mm. And I thought, gosh, you know, you look like you have it all, but you don't have it all. Right. Not and not at all. And and I knew that where the core of the problem was was the intention and the clarity in the business that you weren't, you were just, I call it eating soup with a fork, right? Doing activities all day long and you're exhausted at the end of the day and you're not full and you're not fulfilled because you've eaten soup with a fork all day long and you're doing the activities that you saw someone else do. So you should probably do it, you know, or you think you should do it or someone taught you to do it, but you don't have the right intention behind it to move the needle forward in your business. So I think that's where everyone just says, well, oh, I'm just so busy. I'm so busy. And and when people ask me that, because you know, I have four businesses and I have, I'm very busy, but I don't want to glorify it. People say, I, I can't keep up with you. And I say, well, that's fine. I've created a habit that allows me to be able to do as much as I can. We just need to start with one habit for you, right? <laughs> right? So that you can do as much as you can. So and I want to touch on that in a second. Yeah. Why do people feel the need to go and post that busyness on? social media because that's almost like a it's like a badge yeah. of honor or oh yeah no it's total acceptance you know it's it's wanting to be part of it's fear of missing out right if i look like i'm busy i look like i'm traveling i look like i'm having all these things and you'll notice and anybody can go on there that's very i don't do much posting myself my team posts things but they only post things if i happen to remember to send them a picture <laughs> that they should post right um, like, for example, I was just at the Oscars last week and I was just talking with an actress that I was there with last night. She called me and she said, I haven't posted anything. And I said, I haven't either. I think I posted one picture <laughs> like that I was there because, you know, it, to me, that's not the important thing in life. But I think that people uh, have, you know, again, it's the clarities, the clarity and the alignment and the values are all just kind of, it's like a big bowl of spaghetti right now. And people just don't have clarity. It's just kind of a mess. And and I, and I think that we're all headed for some really bad heartache and heartbreak and heart attacks down the road. Why do you say that? What's, what is it you're well, seeing? Well, I mean, that's... just the constant stress. You know, we're in, we're in a constant state of fight, flight, fawn, right? Fear, all of those, FOMO, right? A constant state of that. And we're not breathing. We're not taking deep breaths during the day and breathing and and looking out for ourselves first before we look out for that business. You know, I was getting my nails done yesterday because I'm about ready to travel again. And the nail technician, and even there, you know, like people were coming through the door and she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you could just, I'm an empath. So I could just sense that the stress was building. And I leaned over and I go, 
take a deep breath. I want you to take a deep breath right now. Just, and all of that went away. One simple breath. So I feel like what we're doing is we're sacrificing our health to create wealth. And then later on, we're going to sacrifice our wealth to maintain our health. Hmm. I love that term. That's, that's a very good point. Which comes first, you or the business, when you're thinking me. about intention? And- me. <laughs> so I'm going to interrupt you. Me, 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 me. And I don't mean it badly. <laughs> But I'm first, you know, we have to put ourselves first so that it's sort of like put your your own mask on and not those kind of masks, you know, but we do have to put our own mask on. We have to take care of ourselves in order to be hundred percent present for others. If we're not taking care of ourselves and we're meeting with a client or looking at a contractor or assessing a property, right. And we're preoccupied with all the other things that are going on and we're not present, we can miss things that could be financial disaster for us, right. And so I do think that when I'm, I've got my head on straight, then everything else aligns. And so that's most important. And, and I've proven it, I've proven that you can double and triple your business and your income by doing that instead of the other. Yes, you have, because you're one of the top 1% loan offers nationally on a regular basis. We can talk about that. Yeah, I'm not really in the industry. I'm not licensed anymore, but you know, not only the top 1%, but the top 0.003%, which means I was in the top 200 of almost a million loan officers. And that happened only when I started changing the way I looked at things. Before that, being in the top 1% was okay, but I was working 70 hours a week and I was gaining weight and I you know, was fighting with my kids and I was laden with excuses. If that's you, right? <laughs> if you're just late with, I'm sorry, I'm late. I'm sorry, I'm late. I'm sorry. I had to take that call with that client. I'm sorry, I missed dinner. And your family goes, you know, we gave up and we just ate your dinners in the microwave. If that's your life, then this is your wake up call. This is the wake up. Yeah. What are the first things that people need to do? So they they realize that or they can see themselves heading in that direction. What do you recommend as the first couple of things that they should be doing? Yeah. So the first thing I say is slow down to speed up instead of speeding up to slow down, right? We have to slow it down. And uh, part of that is assessing what your core values are. And I know that this is, you know, I interview a lot of people on my podcast and they always say, you know, it's your core values, it's your core values. And it really is important because what I had been saying was that family is really important to me. I would even talk to a client and go, oh yeah, my family is real important, but it was a bunch of bull, right? Because I was putting them second every single time. I was walking fences while my son was playing baseball and I have to cover up the phone to yell, good one. But I was always late. I was never attentive, right? So if a core value is family, then why is your family last? My mom had this quote, we flatter those we scarcely know. We please the fleeting guests, but we deal many a thoughtless blow to those we love the best. And that's what ends up happening when we're tooth and nail going uphill in sand, you know, trying to create money and create business and create, you know, all the things that think and grow rich, you know, rich dad, poor dad say to, for us to do. And I just, I found that it was just more beneficial for me to really look at those core values and, and just say, are they really core values? Are they truly core values? And if they are, I have to be disciplined enough to put boundaries around them because it's amazing how we can have a meeting with someone and put our phone away. But when we're having dinner with our family, 
and the phone rings, we get up and get it. We would never do that with a client, right? I felt that that was the first thing that has to happen. So now what happens is that with my core values, every decision I make in my business, I look to those core values to ensure that I'm not going against the grain of them, the principle of the the non-negotiable. And mine are faith, family, stability, accountability, and integrity. Those are my five. So and I don't do anything that goes against a grain of integrity that doesn't hold me accountable. If I can't be accountable, I'm going to say no. Right. So those are the things. That's number one. Number two is find out what fulfills you. What do you really want to do? Forget work for a minute. What do you really want to do? You know, do you want, for me, for example, I'm a competitive ballroom Latin and swing dancer and clear on the other side, I'm a competitive Marx woman. I love wine. I live in beautiful wine country and steeplechasing country in Virginia. I love wine. We're we're boaters. I love boating. I love to be with my grandkids. So if I love those things, I'm going to put those first and then fill in the rest behind it. And that's probably what the complete reverse of what most people do, isn't it? It's fill with work and then try and fill in. Yeah. Just going back to values for a second. So we we have a same value, integrity, and what I always recommend to my clients is define what that means to you, because my definition is going to be totally different from theirs. Mm-hmm. And then it's, and then exactly to your point is how am I living that value today? And am I living that value as opportunities come to you yeah. as experiences? Even you mentioned the Oscars, fantastic experience, but you know, is that part of what you're trying to, to do with your life is, is what you're saying. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, for integrity, I always look at external and internal integrity. You know, the world that we're in, you and I were in, we're in speaker world, right? Coaching authors were all these things. Um, There are a lot of imposters out there. We all feel like we have imposter syndrome, no matter what we do, but there are a lot of imposters out there where the external integrity is that I can help you and I can build something wonderful and I'm great. And I I feel your pain because I've been there too. But the internal integrity is the fulfillment. So no matter what you do in business, it's what is the fulfillment for your client? If you're saying to your client, I can help you with X, Y, and Z, sell your product, what you know, and pitch your product and roll them in something, and you can do that. And then on the backside, you don't deliver. You aren't that person behind the scenes. If you're on stage and, and you have good language and then behind the scenes, you cuss it up, Right. <laughs> That's a problem for me. That's the integrity I talk about. So what you see right here as I'm talking is what you will see when we go off screen. Because and, and what you'll see as I walk outside and you know go walk is I, I'm playful, I'm intentional, I'm present, right? I'm spiritual. That for me is integrity. And that's and that goes to personal brand or authentic personal brand Absolutely. versus the manufactured one that we we sometimes see. Yeah that you see on stage, as you say, or somewhere on Instagram yeah. or something, but really they're not doing that. Have you noticed the the kind of stress and overwhelm has magnified now with, with the pandemic over the last couple of years? And what things are you recommending to people in terms of how to handle even that extra stress and overwhelm? Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I was really working a lot. I mean, immediately I saw that there was going to be a lot of stress for people. And I had a little bit, not a lot. I mean, I travel all around and I speak on stages and I ran, I had to do what I call random acts of marketing on social media, right? 
like I said, like if my plane's late, I go, yeah, I probably should do a video saying my plane's late or something. And I still do sort of those random acts. Now I have a team that makes sure it's not as random. So I kind of got caught, you know, and I thought, oh, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And I immediately moved into something. But what I saw from my clients was they sort of collapsed into, you know, maybe because they didn't accept technology. I was already ahead with technology doing Zooms like this for eight years. So for me, it wasn't new. Others were coming in and they're like, how do I show my get off mute? How do I? (laughs) And I think that there was some stress there for that, but it was, it was God's way of getting everybody up to speed on technology so we can all move forward together. But I, I do think that there was a collapse. I kept saying to everyone, be careful, especially in the mortgage business, you know, it blossomed, right? We know real estate blossomed. We know mortgages blossomed. Everybody's having the best year ever. And I said, yeah, but you're having it because the market gave it to you, not because you have the foundation, right? Because right before that, you were saying, maybe I should quit because I'm not doing well. Now you've been thrust into this momentum. And because you don't have the systems, not only the foundation, but now the systems and the skills to be able to manage that, everyone was absolutely stressed. And of course, that led into what we're now experiencing in the form of inflation, at least in the US, right? And same, same up here. And I kept saying, you know, you know, it's I called it short-term gain for long-term pain. Be careful, be careful that you don't just live in this moment, but that you're doing the basics. And I heard this, I was down in Baton Rouge speaking at a mortgage company sales rally a couple of weeks ago. And They had new people there that were rock stars, new loan officers, and then they had veteran rock star loan officers. And they were saying, what are you going to do this year? And it was so funny because the veterans said, well, we're going to go back to basics, which I'll talk about. And the new ones said, well, I'm going to assess what I did last year. Now that I've ironed that out and I'm good at it, now I'm going to add on and be good at something else. And that's exactly what I said about habits, right? I'm really good with a lot of habits. Get good at one habit and then develop more. But back to basics, in my opinion, you should never go back to basics. Basics should always be basics. And so that was the thing that I was saying for the last two years is the basics are that you were talking to people. You were connecting with people. Connect with them online. If you can't see them in person, connect with them online. Yeah, but you know, they're at home. Yeah, they're at home. They can connect online. So I think that we need people. We need humans. And the more connection that you can do, the less chaos you're going to have in your life. But you can't get out of that chaos if you don't have the right systems and the clarity to know what actions should I be taking today so that I can leave and go do the things that are more fun in my life and in my business. And how do you get clear on those systems? What are the kind of things that people should be kind of looking at? Right, Because as we're going now, all all of a sudden, we're all going to come out of this hopefully come out of this pandemic and business is not going to be exactly the same as it ever was before, which I think speaks to your not going back to basics because that was, that worked then, but maybe that doesn't work as much now. Well, I think the principles are the same. The tactics change, right? So when we're talking about basics, they are the same. They're the principles, you know, that are there that you need to connect with people. You need to be out selling, you know, you know, I think right now it's the time to hone in on your skills because our skills have been different. Like, for example, everything that I've done, I've done sitting, right? And I stand too. I have a standing desk, but I'm sitting now. But, and I stand sometimes, but I found that when I went on stage for the first time, I was standing. Right. <laughs> I got to be in front of the camera. <laughs> I can't move. 
And so we developed that habit. And so I was like, wow, I can't believe this. Cause normally I kind of meander around and go down in the, you know, in the, in the audience and stuff. And so it's reminding ourselves of the skills that we had beforehand and bringing them back, you know, fold back in here, but to get clarity, it's the values, right. And the fulfillment, making sure that you have yourself taken care of, you know, so every Wednesday I'm going to play golf, every, whatever, I'm going to take care of me first. And then I'm going to fill that in with intentional work that moves my business forward, that aligns with me. So it's clarity of your brand, right? What's your niche? Don't be doing everything. You sell everything to everyone. You're selling nothing to no one. So be clear about your brand and what you're going to market, right? It's not that you're not going to do everything, but you market one or two things. You don't market everything. So it makes it easier, less hours to market everything. Having priority management. I don't like time management because you can't manage time, but you can manage priorities, right? So who are your clients? Having themes every day. So when you wake up and you go, oh, it's Friday, today's follow-up Friday, or it's, you know, get ready for next week, Friday, or wealth building Wednesday. And that means I call all of my X, Y, and Z, whatever it is. And having those themes that you get in and get out. Honest to goodness, you could work for four hours every single day if you were that intentional and then go play. And that's what I say, work on purpose so you can play with passion instead of working and working and working and working and working. Get rid of the things. There's a strategy that we do for my clients is stop, start, keep, and improve. What should I start doing? Need to start doing, right? Want to start doing? What should I stop doing that's not getting results? What should I keep doing? And what needs improvement? And not sometimes the keep doing is not needing improvement. It's just keep doing. But what other things need improvement? Maybe I should keep doing plugging along with social media, but it needs a little improvement. Maybe I need to look at hiring someone. Maybe I need to time block to do it more often, right? But it's really, really being clear. So for me, for example, I work four days a week. I'm working today, which I normally don't do Fridays. (laughs) As soon as we're done, I'm off. I'm right for the rest of the day. Um, I normally don't do Fridays. I work four days a week. I have four businesses. Each day of the week, I focus on one of the businesses. And I still dance three days a week. I still shoot on my property here as often as I feel like doing, right? I still go to the wineries. I still get to go boating with my husband because I just focus on what needs to be done to move the needle on that business that day and move to the next. How do you do that? If something comes up in the business and that isn't the day for that business, I choose and design a life that fulfills me. (laughs) Right. So I can choose to do that. But because I have the boundaries and the discipline, if someone can't meet me on a Monday or let's say Tuesdays, I do all my podcasts, right? So all day on Tuesday. So if if it's Tuesday and someone says, well, I can only do a podcast on Wednesday, then I can do the podcast on Wednesday, but not if. I have something with my family that Wednesday. Now it'll be three, four, five, seven Wednesdays from now. It's the difference between being on demand and in demand. You can go to the ER and be on demand, or you can wait to see the specialist, which takes us six months, (laughs) right? Because they're in demand. There's value in that. And so I'll get to people, and it's not a lack of customer experience or service, I will get to people, but I have to put boundaries around because otherwise we're just simply running amok and we become everybody's beck and call guy and girl. And do you, do you explain that to people or is that something that I do? Yeah, I do say, you know, look, I already have an appointment. 
I don't tell everybody every appointment. Do it. Why do we feel like we have to tell? It's funny. I can't do Tuesday at 12 because I have an appointment with, you know, a client, right? We, we can't do Tuesday. Sorry, I can't do Tuesday. But if that Tuesday appointment is a doctor's appointment, like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry I have a doctor's appointment, but maybe I could change a doctor's appointment. I was supposed to be at my daughter's this and, oh, maybe I, and we feel really funny about telling people about what we're doing personally. And I found that I only work with people that compliment and not complicate me. So if someone says, well, you need to change your appointment because it's for your kid, blah, blah, blah then I don't want to work with them anyway. So it's choice and and being confident enough by the sound of it to say no. Yeah. It means saying yes to you and no to clients sometimes. Right. And if they really were meant to be, they'll come to you. And and again, I promise it'll happen because I've proven it and I continue to prove it. And how do you implement habits. You've talked about habits. What are your tips? At a time. Okay. <laughs> yeah, one at a time. So, you know, if it's the new year, we all have New Year's resolutions, right? If you were going to say, okay, I'm going to stop smoking. I'm going to exercise. I'm going to visit friends more often. I'm going to cut out the TV. I'm going to eat better. I'm going to do this. Eventually everything will get diluted and you won't do anything. So do one, just do one, become really, really good at it. It's, it's like, it's also what I say for lines of business. You know, I didn't just set out and go, Hey, I'm going to start four businesses at once and hope they all get good. I got really good at one. So it was automated and then went to the second one and then went to the third one. So I would say, you know, start with one habit. And here's the thing about habits is in order to override a bad habit, you have to replace it with a good habit. So if you have a bad habit, we need to get rid of those first. And those are the habits that you start with. So if you have bad habits of working late, then you need to replace it with working out right? If you're working late, you need to replace it with being home with your family and ask them to hold you accountable. You need to replace bad habits first so that we have only good habits and then you can add new habits, right? And again, I'm really a believer in themes every day because then I know exactly what I'm doing. You know, I know exactly what my, my day looks like. And I'm saying that, you know, not in the context of me with my four companies, but before my four companies, I had a theme every day. You know, I had money making Monday and um, touch base Tuesday, wealth building Wednesday, training Thursday, which meant on Thursdays I was doing training classes. I was holding my own. I was speaking someplace. I was doing videos, right? And then I had a team that was posting. Follow up Friday is getting ready for the next week. One of the things that drove me nuts is someone was kicking a printer in an office because they had a presentation in a half hour. And I'm like, what's your problem? I mean, you could have done it last week. Right. This lack of, you know, planning, this lack of planning. So just start with start with one and find, and here's the last part about this, find a time of day where you are the most high energy, right? So if you're a high energy person in the morning, then do your lead generation in the morning. If you're more high energy in the afternoon, then do it in the afternoon. And don't fight it. And this is why people will say, Well, can you give me a an outline? And I can give people an outline of a time block. But it's not my time. Right. It's you know, it's your time. And so we want to make sure that it fits your lifestyle. Maybe you work out in the morning. I go to the dance studio in the afternoon. That's my workout, right? So I go to the dance studio in the afternoon. I can't go there at six in the morning. They're not there. Right. So you have to figure out, you know, where can you have the time that first you put your time in first, and then you start filling it in with um, where your highest energy is to do lead generation. And then, you know, and then do your customer and service later. And is that how you were able to become a top performer? Is that one of the things that you recommend people look at is that 
I, I love the idea of a theme every yeah because because then you're not stressing first thing in the morning what am I going to fill my day with what am especially I if do? you haven't done the planning the night before <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah well you know and we all have you know you've heard the term laundry list I have a laundry list of things to do so if you were going to go to your laundry and pull things out of the dryer, right? And I can do this for guys too and say, okay, you went you went to the grocery store for your wife, <laughs> right? And you're pulling the groceries out. You don't take a can out and walk it into the house and then walk back out. That's why we have bags, right? That's why in laundry, we have laundry baskets, right? We put all the laundry in the basket and then we start sorting it, right? We start folding it and putting it in piles. We don't take a shirt out and run it up and hang it up and then come back and go, oh, now I have a sock and run it some other place and put it in a drawer and come back and then go, oh, now I have a towel and take it there because it's not efficient. It doesn't make any sense. Yet when we don't have a plan and 95% of entrepreneurs don't have a plan every morning, that's sad. What do we do? We turn on our computer and we look at our email, which is a laundry list because it's Can you look at these cute little puppies on here? Do you want to sponsor this thing? Hey, look at this contract. Hey, your account is overdrawn. Whatever it is, right? We are now looking at a laundry list and we literally go through there and put laundry away one thing at a time. We don't compartmentalize our email. We don't compartmentalize our time. So when you time block, it's having a grocery bag and it's having a clothes basket of time where you're only doing those those few things at one time. Right. So you're doing like minded activities at the same time. So review all the contracts because when you get to the third contract, you go, Ooh, I, Ooh, that's interesting. I wonder if I missed that on the last two. Right. And now you're doing like minded activities and you can get things done so much faster. Get in, get out, go have fun. And what about getting off that hamster wheel, the roller coaster of running a business? So, particularly entrepreneurs, I find. You're busy, busy, busy getting business. You're delivering on that business. So you don't have time to do all the other things. So does, right, so again, it goes back to the theme. The business goes up and down. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Well, I would say get out of your own way and hire people. You know, if there's an activity that is, and I call it finder, minder, grinder, my book launch, how to take your business to new heights, I break it out between finding, minding and grinding time. So if you were looking at your um, calendar and you're doing some time blocking, it would be, when is my finding time? So I would have that be the first part of every day for me because look at my energy. We're meeting at what's at 11 o'clock, right? My energy is really high in the morning. And then I start running out of puppy gas at the end of the day, right? And so that's when I do more thought-provoking things where I can slow down, I can breathe a little more. And that's important to me. So I think if you can do you know, those finder activities and then have your minding activities. The minding activities are serving your clients, watching over contracts. Are things happening on time? Whatever, whatever your fulfillment mechanism or conveyor belt is, right? For your sales process, minding the business, returning phone calls, asking questions, et cetera, and save your grinding for somebody else to do. <laughs> but if you can't hire someone right now, which is kind of silly, you got to figure out how much you're worth because you can hire someone to do something for $25 an hour and you make $150, it's just silly for you to be doing it, right? But grinding is prep, right? Looking at next week, prepping, running an analysis before you present something to someone, doing reports, scheduling. It's all those sort of mundane things. But when we hat switch all day long, that's where the chaos comes in. You know, it's just too much switching instead of confined. You know, and it's actually very freeing. So I use the word confined, but I'm telling you, it's the most freeing thing in the world. Hmm. And how can people multiply their results but and still have a life outside of 
the work? Yeah, again, it's working on purpose so you can go play with passion, you know, I think. So let me give you an example of, so if you look at a rim on a car, right, a tire rim, so you're looking at that, right, and, it, and you're looking at that, and you're going, oh, that's my business, and it's strong, and it's steel, uh, you know, and you work really hard on it. And then you realize that the tire itself is flat, it has holes in it, right? It's they're shredded. That's your life. And that we know statistically that's the case. There's so much more divorce. There's so much more suicide. There's so much more mental health issues, right? Overweight, everything. And what we do is we focus on this crazy, you know, the tire itself or the, not the tire, but the rim, right? But what if that rim you're looking at is just a hubcap, right? It looks cool, but when you pull the hubcap off, ugh, it's not as nice inside, right? So your business is is a fake, and then you got this mess of a life, right? So that's one thought there, and and like you said, this glorification of busyness. A lot of times, that's what it is. It looks good, mm, but behind the scenes, it's not so good. So what if we were to look at another tire? We look at a wheel, a rim that's actually a rim without a hubcap. So big four by four, right? So now instead of that being your business, it's your life. Right? You've got this heavy duty rim. Nobody's going to hurt it because it's strong and, you know, it's steel. And outside of it is a four by four tire, right? It's grooved. It's ready for any terrain on its way to get you to be successful. That's how I look at a lot of people's businesses. That poor person, we just want to change the tire and we want to put on a four wheel drive tire, right? So that you get the best of both worlds, the best of them. And so how you multiply your results in record time is by having that clarity, sticking to your guns, creating those boundaries, the discipline, and putting yourself in time blocks on activities that aren't eating soup with a fork, but are activities that really move you forward in your business. And then you go enjoy life. And you know, when we go on vacation, it's amazing, right? We get really busy because we have a timeline. We get a lot done. And then we go on vacation. We're like, well, we shouldn't have gone on vacation because now I have all that business or we, we say, hey, maybe we should go on vacation more often because we get more done. What if you just took vacation every day? What if you had that same mentality of, I know exactly what I need to do today, get it done and get out. Go have fun. Do you have a recommended exercise to identify what your purpose and passions are? Because I think sometimes, especially entrepreneurs, that we all get caught up in the business and we lose sight of the things or the we, whole th- we, the whole reason we're in business <laughs> right? right or we we quit the job so that we can have more freedom right. <laughs> all right? right and there's no more freedom at all right because we're we're just not making those choices we're not conscious of it and again we're we're in that constant state of fight flight fear fawn right all of those states and yes i have a document called the seven strategies to transform your business mindset and you know you can get it at genduplusscom forward slash seven strategies plural the number seven uh, you know, it's just a thought provoking a bunch of questions. Like, what are your values? Are you holding to those values? Who are the people that you associate with? Are they the right people today? Because if you look at, you know, a ladder leaning against a wall, right? And it has rungs on the ladder, each one of them representing your different volume, right? Your different levels of income. Unless you're a monkey in a barrel, right? Who can stretch like crazy. The people that help you on the low end are not necessarily the people who will be helping you on the upper end. So you have to change the people that you're hanging around with. You have to change the team that you hired 
you know, like, oh, I love Susie. She's been with me for 20 years. But if Susie's not, if she's the, the thing that's holding you back, you have to let Susie go, right? So it's all of these little activities. And then coming up with a business plan, I'm a business plan person. I definitely like business plans. But if someone said to me, I want to make 500,000, I go, why wouldn't you make a million? Because <laughs> the problem with a business plan is it caps you. People will say, you know, if I want to close, you know, 100 clients this year and at June they've closed 60, they'll say, well, I only need 40 more. Well, why wouldn't you just close another 60? So there's a problem with goals because they cap you, they limit you. Mm -hmm. It's more about client acquisition, bringing it all the way back down to your daily activities. How many clients do I need to pique the interest of every single day? And those are the activities I do so that I can pique the interest. And what happened with me with my story is that I was closing $50 million worth of loans a year in the top 1%, working 70 hours a week. Okay, miserable. And I thought I was happy, but I wasn't. <laughs> when I created my five strategies, one of them clarity, we talked about that, community, right? Credibility, communication, which is your systems, and continuity, which is time management, you know, the priority management. So I have those on the ends, right? Clarity and, and management. And um, when I did that, I didn't, all I wanted to do, I said, there has to be a better way to do 50 million. And what I ended up doing was doing 102 million working four days a week. And I had a team, so I was happier. And I wasn't latent with excuses with my family because I, I figured it out. I got the combination. I call it cracking the top producer code because I got the combination, you know, of, what was it that I needed to be doing instead of doing what everybody else was doing? Right. As we're recording this, we're, I think you're in the US expecting an interest rate increase of at least half a percent and maybe yep. multiple ones. And here in Canada, it, it looks like we're going to get the same. Yeah, People are expecting this to hit the market. They're expecting yeah. things to slow down. And let's assume that that's probably to some degree is going to happen. There's going to be a correction and everybody that's been perhaps running around thinking, well, this is easy, especially in, in real estate investing. Yeah. What advice do you have for those people to be thinking about and planning for now so as that they investors. can? Yeah, as investors? Yeah, or as, as mortgage. I mean, we have mortgage brokers that listen to the okay, podcast. Okay, so yeah, as well, I mean, so. so we have to look at all little aspects here. Yeah, because I have different strategies for different things. Okay. Yeah, I mean, first of all, uh, you know, if you look at the thirty-year hist the history of rates um, in, the, in the United States, and I'm sure you can do that in Canada as well, you look at the the history of interest rates. We are still in a great market, even if we go up two points, we're still in a great market on the historical you know perspective of it. And we did loans back then when I got in the business. Loans were twenty one percent or eighteen and a half, something like that. And now people say, yeah, but price of homes were lower. It doesn't matter because your income's higher, so it doesn't matter. It's all relative. So, you know, we're still in a great place. We've been saying since the Great Depression in the United States that, you know, in 2018, the big bubble and all that stuff, that this was an anomaly. This was, uh, you know, the government was doing, the Treasury was buying, you know, QE, quantitative, quantitative easing. They were arbitrarily buying bonds, mortgage bonds, and that was making rates just stay low, but it shouldn't have been that long. And we've said this for years, almost 10 years now, that, this is not real and it will become real one day and it's becoming real right now. And this is no different than what Reagan did right after the SNL bailout, you know, after Jimmy Carter was, 
when he came in and said, hey, we're going up with rates. And he elevated interest rates, right, really quickly to get the market back to square one. And I think that we're going to have to painfully go through that. But what I do know, because we have inflation, but what I do know that, you know, when we have two consecutive quarters of negative GDP and we have one negative quarter now, and if we have another one, then we'll find ourselves eventually in a recession. You know, we'll go from a inflation to maybe some stagnation for a little bit because everyone's kind of wondering what to do. And then we'll go into perhaps a, um, another, uh, not depression, infl- oh, what recession. I read. Thank you. Recession. <laughs> recession. Yeah. recession. I got all these Eschens in me. Uh, we'll go to another recession, but what you can historically see is that interest rates drop during a recession. So it's okay. Like, let this happen. Now, the, that's one thing. Keep going with the basics. Don't stop going with the basics. Change your tactics, but still get out there and meet people. There are life situations that happen. You know, we could get off this call and I could pass away, you could pass away. We could get off this call and someone could be in a bad accident. We could get off this call. My husband could walk in and have 39 years and tell me I want a divorce. People have life events all the time and they have to make take action. And so there will be movement. You just have to be visible. You have to be there for when the when happens, right? You have to be top of mind. So that's one thing. Renters, you know, rents have gone up 12.9%. So as an investor, I'm going, yes, finally, they've caught up, right? So they're going up 29% year or 12.9% year over year. So that's really good too, because now you have people that are saying, well, maybe I don't want to be renting. Maybe I do want to be buying, right? And so we have this pent up demand and we have a lot of commercial properties that are sitting vacant that will most likely, and we're already seeing it now being converted into condominiums to help bring up that pent up demand. So you have to position yourself for when the iron strikes that day that that pent up demand comes out, you if you're in someone else's wake, you're not going to be the winner, right? I never want to be in someone else's wake. I want to be the lead boat. So that's what's happening there. So as an investor, that's a good thing. Also as an investor, remember, it's not about the rate, it's about the numbers. And if you can get higher rent, if you're doing buy and hold, if you can get higher rent, then who cares what the rate is? Because it's still you're still going to have that positive cash flow if that's what you're looking for still going to happen. You're still going to have equity growth because we're going to see that for some time, you know, going on and of course we buy for cash flow or appreciation and if we're lucky we get both, right? So I'm not concerned, I'm really just not concerned about any of this and I think that when people start walking around with a little linus, you know, storm over them and they got dust around them, I think they attract that. I don't attract that. I I manifest, hey, this is all good. There's a good opportunity here. And we just have to stay out in front of it. We have to, you know, be the visionary and be the person who's who's moving it forward and being positive and being smart about knowledge in the market and not just saying, oh, rates are going up, but understanding why they're going up. Where are we in the greed and fear indicator? Right now we're in fear. And fear is, means that people are pulling money out of the stock market and they're putting it into real estate, cash, or into mortgage-backed securities. So we're going to see a switch. That's going to happen. We don't know where they're going to go. They'll put it in cash because now we'll get more money in our bank accounts because of inflation, right? So it, it's it's just all relative. It just it, instead of everything being down here, it's all going to be up here. It's right. all relative. I can understand now why this Canadians are looking at investing in the U.S. because I don't know if you're aware, but where I am in Ontario, uh, rents are, can't go up more than one point two percent at the moment. Yeah, you can't increase rents unless the person moves out, and then you have a a new renter yeah, and you can uh, reset yeah, the yeah, rents. Yeah, yeah. So it's 
it's a, it's a lot more difficult. But we have rent yeah, controls. <clears throat> yeah, we have yeah, rent it, controls in some cities too. Yeah. Yeah, it depends on the province. I mean, there's other provinces that have yes. kind of open. Uh, but I, I think I think you say right. It's all relative. Yeah. You know, if that's the market you're used to dealing in, there's other ways to deal with it versus. Yeah. This is just another change in the market. I've been through 12 of these things in my history, right? In my experience, I've been through 12. This is just another change. But what we have is we have had it so low for so long that everyone is freaking out. And it's just a matter of educating ourselves or educating our clients on making sure that we understand exactly what is happening. So that I always say, act as if and plan as if. Act as if they're going to go up and plan as if they go down or vice versa. Act as if they're going down and plan if they're going up. Values of homes, rent, everything. Prepare. Be knowledgeable about what market you're in. Don't be the person that's just succumbing to it. And again, that's being in the wake. Right. And you raise a good point about education and knowledge. So, And part of that is reaching out to your clients or, and informing them and educating them. Oh, this God, yeah, they're yeah. scared right now. Yeah, they're so scared right now. And you could be the voice of reason. We just had that call yesterday when, when my coaching call and I said, guys, you know, it, 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 they're saying, well, I'm just so afraid to talk to my clients because, you know, what do I tell them? And I go, well, you're going to tell them rates went up, right? Is that what you're going to tell them? I said, you have to be more informative. You have to reach out, you know, be offensive and not defensive, not in a defensive mode where you're waiting for them to call you, but reach out to them and say, hey, I'm thinking about you. I want to know what kind of concerns you have about what you're hearing about inflation, about gas prices, about unemployment, about all of that, and be the voice of reason for them and calm them down, (sighs) have them take a deep breath so that they know that you're the person to come to when the time happens. There's a couple of questions I like to ask guests who come on. Favorite personal brand and why? Oh, that's hard because I'm really not a brand person. <laughs> um, <laughs> it is funny that I'm like, yeah, I, you know, it's funny because uh, people are like, oh, I got to wear Gucci and blah, blah, blah. I just like, if I like the purse, I buy it. If I don't like it, I don't buy it. Huh. Brand, 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 brand. That's really a hard question because I don't really. I or, really like don't a personal know. brand as in a person. Is there somebody that you kind of look to and you say, well, that's somebody that you. Yeah, I love Jeff Hoffman. <laughs> and if, for those of you that don't know, you know, there are celebrity entrepreneurs. Jeff Hoffman is the co-founder of Priceline, the co-founder of Booking.com, and he is the inventor of the kiosks that we all use at the airports. That's his invention. The biggest heart in the world. He's on my advisory board and not because I'm paying him. He's on my advisory board because he said, Jen, I want to help you. Isn't that cool? He's a billionaire. He helps people, you know, helps young um, boys in Africa who are being dragged into fighting in war, you know, fighting. And he goes in and rescues them. And he's built actually Pitbull is his his business partner now. And they built a community center or home for these kids where they're learning and they're, they're getting food and clothing and they're learning a trade as well. Um, And these are young boys that are, you know, less than 12, you know, like eight to 12, some are 14, but this guy's got a big heart. You talk about integrity, external and internal, he oozes it. And you talk about purpose. Yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah. (laughs) There's there's purpose. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I mean, in everything he does, all of his employees are in love with him. He finds out what his employees goals are so that he can help them achieve their goals. It's not about him. And that makes his business just that much better. Hmm. Yeah. Do you have a favorite uh, business book or podcast? <laughs> That's hard because I read a lot of books. Um, I posted, I actually did that. I posted like 40 some books. I've read way more than that last year, but I couldn't <laughs> get them in the picture. 
I read probably three to five books a week. It's really hard for me to, you know, obviously I like Think and Grow Rich. I love The Millionaire Next Door. I love Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which, you know, Sharon Lecter uh, wrote with Robert Kiyosaki, but Sharon's really the writer in it. And she's a good friend of mine. Is that something you've read recently that you've enjoyed? I read it every year. I read Think and Grow Rich, uh, The Millionaire Store, and uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad every year. Um, And I also read The Outwitting the Devil, which is one thing that Sharon did. Right, that's the follow-up one. That's the follow-up one. I read that every year. And I also read uh, The Compound Effect every year by Darren Hardy. because. Yeah, because that's about, you know, uh, task switching and stuff like that. And I always just pick up another little thing, you know, that I love on it. So. Yeah, it's a, it's a good reminder that book. I'd, I'd agree with you. That's a good yeah. yearly one to read. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Podcasts. I like too many of them. It's it's hard, you know. As we were talking in the green room, I've been on thirteen hundred of them with the combination of my own plus being guests. So it's kind of hard for me to, to say which one is my which one is my favorite. I like Deeper Pockets. I can tell you that. Right. Yep, <laughs> yeah, I like a, that. That's a good one. That was probably one of the first ones I looked. I listened to. Yeah. And do you have a, a favorite tool or resource that you're using at the moment? Uh, Reach. It's an app, a text app, a group text app. That everybody thinks they're getting their own text. It allows me to get things done efficiently. Yeah. Uh-huh. So Reach, Reach is one of my favorite ones. There's another one. Yeah. No, I would say Reach. I would say Reach is my, my favorite tech piece right now. Okay. And you shared your, your mother's quote earlier. Is it? Do you have a favorite quote? Well, I definitely love her quote, but I love Les Brown. I was fortunate to be on his speaking faculty. So I got a lot of Les Brown quotes in my life. You know, you don't have to be great to start. You have to start to be great. You know, you have to stop doing what you're doing now and start doing something better to be great. You know, you don't have to be great at it in the beginning. You don't need to have all the habits. Just start something. Um, That's one. And the other that he says is that if you'll do what's easy, your life will be hard. If you do what's hard, your life will be easy. That's what I'm proposing here is Mm -hmm. stop thinking it's easy when you're creating hard life, right? Slow down, speed up, stop talking, take action, get the results that you want by doing what's hard and and putting those boundaries around and being disciplined with yourself. And then you're going to find that your life will be really easy. I think that's a great summary of what we've been talking about for the last 30 minutes or so. Is there any final uh, pieces of advice that you would give people? And also tell us a little bit about your business and how people can get, find out more about you and get hold of you. Thank you. I just always say, you know, live your legacy while you're building it. Don't wait, right? Mm -hmm. That would be the first thing. My business is that I coach loan officers. Those are the only people I coach. But I speak at real estate offices and plumbing companies. It doesn't matter anything that has to do with sales professionals or business owners. So any association, any conferences, any companies, I love speaking and inspiring people. I don't consider myself to be a motivational speaker because I think that's external. Like I need to be motivated. So I'm going to go somewhere. I'd rather inspire people to be motivated every single day, be happy to get up every day and do what they're doing. And I have a mastermind called Make Your Mark. And we have our next mastermind June 20th in Salt Lake City. It's a very high-end mastermind. And I'm only talking to people about that. So there's no website to go to. You just have to reach out to me and say you're interested. I have a Cracking your t- the Top Producer Code workshop. So three days of everything we're talking about, a little deeper into that. And so you can go to thetopproducercode.com, thetopproducercode.com and get information about tickets for that. I have a show that just came out, a TV talk show called Tell Me I Can't, 
because <laughs> it's my life. I don't doubt me. Congratulations. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. And so you can watch it on Roku. You can watch it on Apple TV um, or Apple Play. And you can go to Zondra, Z-O-N-D-R-A TV.com and you can watch Tell Me I Can't. We just released our first season and we're about ready to go back in at the end of June and record our second season. Really, really great stories of people that were told that they couldn't achieve something and, and the wonderful things that they did, whether it was physical limitations, mental limitations, financial, didn't matter. Wow. Um, so that that's sounds cool. inspiring. Yeah. And then tell me, I can't the book behind me. Uh, that's my new release. It's a fiction book, uh, but it's my ninth number one bestseller on Amazon. It's a fiction book for women, really. It's a Hallmark show, but we are looking, actually have a contract in front of me right now for a screenplay to be written. I'm just not sure I, I want it. I'm looking at my values, right? And saying, why would I want that? So I could say it, then that puts more effort on my right? <laughs> So I'm not sure why I'm doing that. So yeah, so we have, you know, quite a few things that are that are going on and, you know, it's just an exciting time. Wonderful. Okay, we're going to make sure all of that is in the show notes so people Thank can you. access that. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, I've really enjoyed chatting with you today, Janet. Lots you. of great I love insights. Your questions. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate yeah. that. So uh, have yourself a brandtastic day. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me on the show and I love what you're doing. Love, love, love. And I can't wait to have you on my show too. Great. Thank you. Well, was that brandtastic? Did it give you some ideas and actions that you can take right now to build your business? So get to it. And if you're wondering where your real estate investing brand currently stands and some steps to make it more brandtastic, you can download our free REI brand checklist at reibranded.com forward slash checklist. That's reibranded.com forward slash checklist. Thank you for listening and have a brandtastic day.